You must remember this. Coming to get you, Barbara. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're here. Here's Johnny. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Hey, what's up, boys and ghouls? It's Steven here. I am here to bring you a movie that we voted on last week. A movie I didn't even think was going to be in the polls, let alone win the vote. Um, I brought up Demonic Possession last week, and Jerry said that this would be a fun one to do. Um, And I put it on the polls between this and Evil Dead 2, which I thought for sure was going to win. And uh, no, you guys voted, and the winner of last week's poll and the episode we are doing today is a little movie called Idle Hands. It was directed by Rodman Flender, and it had a budget of $15 million and only made $4 million, which made it a box office bomb. Um, It stars Devin Sawa, Seth Green, Jessica Alba, Eldon Henson, Vivica A. Fox, and Jack Noseworthy. Um, This movie is really, really fun. I'm super glad that I get to do it. Obviously, you guys can tell there's no other co-host here with me this week. Um, You know, things got complicated. People couldn't couldn't show up, so... um, I'm just going to do this one by myself, but I'm going to try to do it as best as I can um, to make it entertaining for you guys because I really, really love this movie. Um, like I said, I, it, it was a delightful surprise because I didn't think that it was going to win. But other than that, let's get started with the podcast. So I'm going to start the podcast the same way I start with any other movie and talk about the first time I saw this movie or the first time I remember seeing it because this one specifically, I can't pinpoint the like actual first time I saw it. I'm not even actually sure if I saw this in theaters. What I do remember is me and my sister watched this movie a whole bunch, like over and over again. Um, we It was one of the, these movies that I think on the From Dust Till Dawn podcast, I talked about there was just this time where me and my sister would get a hold of DVDs or rent DVDs and watch movies on repeat over and over again. And this was definitely one of them. Um, but yeah, I just remember seeing this movie. I was what? It was 1999. So I was like 11 years old, maybe a little older actually when I saw it. I, I want to say maybe like 13, 14. And um, yeah, it, it just seemed really cool. Like these kids are in high school. They're kind of stoners and they're they're obviously not dorks like the police characters in this movie. Um, and you know, there's chicks in it, hot chicks and a bunch of murder. And like, I just, I just thought it was really, really fun. And I thought, uh, the movie was really funny and just a really great concept for a movie. There's also some other people in this movie. When I talk about the cast that I I really enjoy as well, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's generally the first time I saw this movie and, uh, what I remember of it just being really, really funny, really gory. Um, it definitely is a Halloween movie. It takes place around Halloween, which makes it even better. So yeah, um, that's, that's, uh, that's the beginning of the podcast. I'm going to jump into the cast a little bit here. There's some people that we haven't really talked about before. Um, and yeah, let's just start off with Devin Sawa. Uh, Devin Sawa was a guy who was in a lot of stuff when I was really young. Um, most notably, Casper in 1995. I mean, he's only in it for like five seconds and he's got like one line, but he plays live Casper. 
Um, I don't remember this one very well because I, only, I think I only saw it once uh, and I wasn't really paying attention, but apparently he's in Little Giants, the Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill movie with the two opposing football teams. It's kind of like a Mighty Ducks type movie. But uh, yeah, after that, he uh, he was in a movie that I remember watching a lot when I was younger, Have Sisters, and I actually like this movie too. It's called Now and Then. It's about a group of girls growing up in the summer. It's very Wonder Years-esque, but from the perspective of little girls. And uh, there's this family of boys that they are always like fighting with or whatever, and he ends up being one of them. And uh, yeah, he has a thing for Christina Ricci, who's also in Casper. And I think they like kiss or something. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, there's that. And then uh, another movie that me and my sister used to watch a lot uh, called Wild America starred Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Devin Sawa. And then I can't remember the older guy's name, but yeah, it's like this. I think it's based on a true story. It's about this group of uh, brothers that get a a film camera and they just go across filming like nature and shit. And it's like a cool little adventure movie. But yeah, Devin Sawa. Later on, he does a movie called Final Destination, where death is out to get him and his friends because he stopped it, uh, stopped them all from dying on a plane. He's also in a movie called SLC Punk from 1998. And if you were a kid in junior high in the 2000s, you definitely saw it and based your whole personality off that movie. Um, another movie that I try to watch, I was on this like really big uh, 2000s like comedy binge. Uh, and then I try to watch this movie called Slackers, and I just couldn't get into it, but he's in that movie as well. And then his career kind of, like, fizzled out. He continued working the entire time, but uh, he kind of, like, one of the other, for his, for as many popular movies that he was in as a younger guy, he kind of just went away. And he's been doing, like I said, been working ever since, been in a lot of stuff since, but those are the most notable movies um, on his uh his roster, I, I guess you could say. Then there's Mr. Seth Green, who I think, um, I mean, Devasawa is a good, a good day, uh, main character of this movie, but Seth Green definitely has been in a lot of great stuff. He's re- a really, really funny guy. He's in some of my favorite movies, uh, ever. And, uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about Seth Green a little bit. He, he's, he's been in a lot of, uh, stuff over the years. Um, child actor stuff already. Like he was in a fucking movie where he played little. Um, He's pretty young. I can't remember which one it is, but he played little Woody Allen in one of Woody Allen's movies. Um, he's in the Tim Curry TV version of It. He's one of the little kids. Uh, obviously, we all remember him as Scott Evil from the Austin Powers franchise. Super funny in there. The remake of Italian Job in 2003. He was on several seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a 90s teen comedy that I absolutely love. Can't hardly wait, and I really want to do on this podcast one day. Um, just so many different things. Rat Race 2001. He's done, done a lot of different uh, TV appearances um, where he's just like a side character, that 70s show, and a bunch of other stuff. And then obviously in 1999, he was on a little cartoon show that I canceled like six times called Family Guy. And that kind of sprung him into his own producer cartoon thing that he was doing. He had a show um, for many, many years. I think it's still running, actually. Robot Chicken, which is a really, really funny show, or at least a few seasons are. But yeah, that's uh, that's Seth Green. He plays uh, Devin Sawa's stoner best friend, and uh, Mick, I believe his name in the movie. And he's uh, 
He's super funny. Uh, I, I'd be. I've never seen this movie, but a lot of people love it uh, without a paddle. I think I should mention that because so many people are like, "Oh, it's so great!" Blah blah blah. I just always. I think Dax Shepard's in it, and I never liked him, so I, I just never wanted to watch it. But yeah. Um, next up, we got Miss Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba, funny enough, uh, from the town that I'm from, Pomona, California. Um, she grew up there, and then was. Had an interest in acting, and obviously she's attractive enough to get, uh, you know, catch the eye of uh, talent of talent uh, scouts. And I only say that I, I know it's kind of messed up just to say that, but I think we could all admit Jessica Alba is not the strongest actress, and she definitely isn't very good in this movie or kind of any movie she's in. I haven't seen one Jessica Alba performance where I'm like, oh, she did really really good in this movie. It, it's kind of all... There's a lot of movies that she's in that I enjoy. Actually, no. I think it's like this one and one other one that I actually like. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't really feel that bad seeing it. She she was obviously had enough, a little bit of talent, and was good-looking enough to catch the eyes of casting directors and people thinking, like, oh, this maybe this uh, girl's got it. But she's in a bunch of stuff. Um a movie that I love, but I don't remember her in this movie at all, so I'm kind of questioning it. Camp Nowhere from 1994. Never Been Kissed um, with Drew, the Drew Barrymore movie where she goes back to high school and falls in love with the teacher, which is super weird. Um, Sin City, 2005. Into the Blue, 2005. Honey, which is a movie I just saw a review for on TikTok, and it seems absolutely ridiculous. Good Luck Chuck with Dane Cook later on. Apparently she's in a couple of the Spy Kids she played Susan Storm in the Fantastic Four, which is really, really bad. Um, she's also in this movie, which is great. And uh, the other movie that... Oh, wait. I already mentioned Sin City. Uh, I love that movie. And she's in it. And, you know, she's she does her thing in that movie, but it's not that bad. Also, she... I, th- I think when I first became aware of her, she was on a show called Dark Angel. And it was... They made a big deal. is when I used to watch Fox TV all the time. And... and uh, like they made a really big deal about it because James Cameron was producing the show and it was called Dark Angel and she had a fucking uh, barcode on the back of her neck. It was kind of like she was Eleven from Stranger Things, but it didn't have that like mystical fucking like magic type deal to it. And it definitely wasn't as cool because I remember trying to watch it and I didn't didn't continue watching it. And that says a lot because literally all I used to watch was like Fox primetime television back in the day because they had a lot of good shows. But uh, yeah, that's Jessica Alba. Next, we got Eldon Henson, Penub. There's only a couple things that I've seen him in. He's been in a lot of stuff over the years, but most notably, he's the bad kid from the first Mighty Ducks. And the second one, he's like one of the Bash brothers. He's in this movie. Uh, Idle Hands, 1999, 2004. He was in The Butterfly Effect with uh, Ashton Kutcher, which was not that great of a movie. And then later on, he plays uh, Foggy, Foggy Nelson in uh, the really, really good Daredevil show that was on Netflix for three seasons. But other than that, yeah, he's uh, he's a good counterpart to, to Seth Green in this movie, but he's not fantastic in it. I think we talked about Vivica A. Fox a few times. I know notably the last time on the Batman and Robin podcast, she's been in a bunch of great stuff, a bunch of stuff that I love. Independence Day, Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, or actually probably just Volume 1, Set It Off, uh, Two Can Play That Game, 
uh, soul food, all the good stuff, booty call, just just Kirby enthusiasm. She's absolutely hilarious in that show. Uh, I love it. I love Vivica Fox. She's really, really cool. And uh, also Jack Noseworthy. This is a guy who's in a lot of stuff in the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s stuff, and never really rose to prominence. He, he's not a bad actor, I don't think, but uh, he just never really, things never really happened for him. Um, he's in a movie called Event Horizon from 1997, uh, Barb Wire with Pamela Anderson. Uh, this movie in 1999, he's in Breakdown 1997 with Kurt Russell, U571, like I said, just in a bunch of different stuff, and he kind of never really popped off. Oh, I forgot. Uh, uh, the Brady Bunch, he plays a next door neighbor. Um, I can't remember. Miss, Mrs. Dittmeyer, Mrs. Dittweiler. I can't remember their names, but yeah, he's he's the neighbor's son. He's an Encino man. Just a bunch of stuff, but never really popped off. And, you know, he's not a terrible actor, but not a really strong one either. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why it never really happened for him. Other than that, there are a few honorable mentions, some people that I definitely want to shout out. Um, Sean McWhalen, he plays McKay, uh, one of the one of the police officers. He, uh, he's been in a lot of shit. I remember him in a jury duty with Pauly Shore. Um, fuck, I have to look at more of the stuff that he's in. He, he's in a lot of stuff. He's like a that guy of the 90s. People under the stairs, beneath it all. Late to rest, deep shock, twist. Oh yeah, he's Twister. He's in, he's on uh, he's in Twister. He's on uh, fucking Bill Paxton's team. Employee of the month, just a consummate that guy. Never been kissed. Like I said, jury duty. Uh, just a bunch, a bunch of different stuff. I, I he's a, definitely a that guy from the '90s. So I, I felt like I had to um, shout him out. Then I think uh, one of the last people I want to shout out. Oh yeah. Uh, Tom DeLong uh, shows up in this movie really quickly. He's the um, drive-through attendant that Devin Sawa tells to go on break. Also, Joey Slotnick. He's uh, Slotnick. Sorry, Joey Slotnick. He's also in Twister and uh, and a few other things. He's like a curly-haired, wild-eyed kind of dude. Um, only there, he's like the manager at the fast food place. Dexter Holland and the rest of. Uh, uh, fucking offspring are in this movie as well. And, uh, yeah, there's one other person that I want to shout out who, uh, I really, really love. And that is Mr. Fred Willard. Uh, Fred Willard, if you don't know him, you should. He has been an actor for a really long time. He passed, um, what back in 2020, he's super duper funny guy. I would think that most people know him as the, um, like the boss from Anchorman. God damn it. Who put a question mark on that teleprompter? Anything that it says, Ron Burgundy will read. That guy. San Diego. Sandy. San Diego night. San Diegans. That guy. That's Fred Willard. Super funny. Uh, other people might know him from movies like Best in Show. He was on Modern Family for a long time. He was on Everybody Loves Raymond for a long time. Um, just as side characters, he's just been in a bunch of stuff. Spinal Tap, Wally. He does a lot of voice work. Uh, How High. Uh, it's just a bunch, a bunch of movies. He's 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 a really really funny guy, and uh, I I loved him to death. And yeah, I, I I'm not insinuating that I killed him, but yeah. Anyway, that's Fred Willard. 
But yeah, that's the cast. So uh, talk a little bit about the movie itself, and then we'll jump into like the piece and piece behind it. So yeah, earlier I had mentioned that um, this movie was a box office bomb. It, like I said, it had a budget of only fifteen million dollars, which at the time was not that crazy for a studio to make a fifteen dollar, a fifteen million dollar comedy movie. But it only made four million dollars in the box office, and the studio feels that partly um, that had to do with. Uh, I believe the same year, few months earlier, or or something like that, the Columbine massacre at the high school happened, and this movie just so happens to deal with uh, high school students getting killed and a lot of maiming and a lot of um, a lot of just really gory stuff. So they actually put this film on the back burner and released it a few months after it was originally supposed to be released. So they blamed that on. Uh, on the delays, the poor performance. But then again, at the same time, when the movie came out, uh, the critics really kind of tore it apart and they didn't really care for it very much. Um, and I could see maybe why here and there, like I said, some of the performances aren't that great, but the concept of the movie I think is just really, really funny and works really, really well, especially as a stoner comedy, because, if you don't know this movie very well or you've never heard of it or never seen it before, the idea is that um, there's this kid. He's a stoner. He's got no ambitions, nothing to live for. Um, he barely goes to school, barely does anything besides smoke weed, jerk off, and eat food all day. And he's so lazy and so inept that he doesn't even notice that his parents have been missing and that people around his town have been dying. And uh, basically he finds out that it's him who's been killing people unaware because as he sleeps, his hand is possessed by the devil pretty much or a a demonic force that is possessing his hand, drags him around town and kills everybody. Um, You find that really early on. So it's not really that big of a spoiler. You find it out in like the first 20 minutes of the film. But um, yeah, I think the concept is just really, really funny. Um, They, you know, it's the name of the movie springs from, you know, the, uh, this, the old saying, idle hands are the devil's playground. So this guy's so fucking lazy. The devil found that uh, this person in particular was the perfect host for them to kill as many people as possible. Because the thing with this movie is that um, the devil has been possessing people's hands all over. And there's actually a sect of like uh, priestess or whatever. I'm not even actually sure about that bit, but... Um, that have been hunting it, and that's Vivica A. Fox's character. So she's been going around the country looking for this per- for people with possessed hands, so she can perform a ritual, which basically just means that she's got to kill the person that's possessed to stop the evil from you know moving from body to body. Um, like I said, that that premise alone just leaves itself open for a lot of really really interesting things even if it was just a straight horror movie but obviously this is a horror comedy and yeah i i I just think it's a great concept and i think there's a lot of jokes in here that obviously haven't aged well but some jokes that have and i think it i think it works and i think um i know now especially with you guys voting for it that this movie has a bit of a cult following and i think that's cool because you know it's it's not streaming anywhere i had to rent it but you know, it lives on in other people who still enjoy this movie very much. 
So I'm kind of going to just give a brief rundown of what the movie is. You know, when we, when usually when me and Jason do these things or when anybody else, um, we're, we watch the movie, we take notes, we write down our favorite stuff and everything like that. But with this, because it's just me and there's not a whole back, big back and forth, I don't think we're going to be able to do that as well as, you know, because I basically I'd be talking about what I like about something and waiting for a response and that's not going to happen. So just go through the movie really quick and just some cool things that I think about the movie. Um, the intro of the movie, the cold open is great. Uh, you get Fred Willard and um, the other actress whose name escapes me right now. They're Anton's parents and they're talking about Anton and they both have very different views of who he is. The mother obviously coddles him and, and you know, she's got his picture by her bedside. And Fred Willard is very much more aware of the reality of the situation where Anton is a stoner and kind of just unwilling to help at any cost, you know, just, just so he could continuously be lazy. So we get the first um, big scare. They turn off the lights. They're getting ready to go to bed. They turn off the lights. And then there's a message written on the ceiling. I'm under the bed. And... Uh, they look under the bed. Obviously, there's nobody there at first. And they're just like, oh, it's a prank. Anton did it, blah, blah, blah. They hear a noise downstairs. Fred Willard goes to check it out. And then uh, the wife, she hears him make a noise. So she has to go down and check it out. And when she does, she finds that uh, there's she trips on something. There's blood on the floor. She goes to talk to Anton but realizes that uh, there's somebody else in the room. There's somebody in her room. So she thinks it's Anton, goes in there, and... Uh, doesn't see anybody, but no, she needs to call the police. And this is some of the cool things about the scene. Um, she grabs the phone and dials the phone as slowly as anybody's ever dialed three numbers, 911. And right before she could hit the last one, the phone is pulled underneath the bed. And she gets off the bed to to uh, grab it, and she gets pulled underneath the bed, and there's all this blood splatters. And then the camera goes up and focuses on the message again. I'm under the bed. And I just think that's a really cool cold open. And then from there we get uh, uh, introduced to Anton. So when we meet Anton, we get a really clear view of who he is and what type of person he is. Super lazy, just a stoner, doesn't want to do anything. His friends seem to be the same way. Um, although they seem to have a little bit more ambition than he does. I even call him out on it. Um, there's some really funny bits between Penub and Mick when we first meet them and then how they, their relationship with Anton, even though that they seem to be really good friends, um, they don't really owe each other anything at any given point in the movie. Um, which actually is funny because it, it changes a bit after, uh, Anton eventually kills Mick and Penub. So, um, the movie does a really good job, I think, of, you know, setting up this premise of a killer and you don't really know who it is. And if you go into the movie not knowing anything about it, like if you were flipping channels back in the day and watching it, you wouldn't necessarily suspect that it was going to be Anton. And then the reveal of when it happens would be when the movie got a lot more interesting. Um, I love that when he finds out he's the killer, he, you know, he finds out that it's his mom and his dad and that when he tries to tell his best friends that they they couldn't care any less and they, they don't realize it because they're just as inept as he is and just so, you know, stoned all the time that they're not paying attention to the world around them. Um, that stuff's really, really fun. They do a lot of cool stuff with that. Um, as soon as they find out that he's a killer, everybody panics. And uh, that's when we start seeing the hand um, at work. 
And I just wanted to say something about Devin. I mean, Devin Sawa's good in this movie. He's good in his other movies as well. But um, the relationship he has with his hand and the and the way he uses his hand in this movie when it's still attached to his body, um, it, it's I I really enjoy it. Like so, he he his, the hand starts coming to life and he can't stop himself from killing his friends, and um, he buries them in the backyard and. When he comes, when he comes back, uh, to you know, just kind of veg out because he can't believe what he just did. Um, that's when the hand and him start really fighting with each other, and I, I just think um, Devin Sawa does a really, really good job um, with his hand work. Just the, the way that it moves, the way that it twitches, and it, it's like I said, the concept is really, really funny, and I think he did a really good job doing it. Um, there's one scene in particular that I really, really love in this movie is when um, – because we, we get introduced to Jessica Alba when he goes to meet Mick the first time. And uh, right after he kills uh, – right after he kills both his friends and buries them, he throws his cat across the street and he has to go see him. This is a scene – I mean you, you have to establish the relationship that they're going to have in the rest of the movie. It's a pretty unbelievable relationship. I mean – um, Devin Sawa is not a bad looking dude, but like we said, he's a, he's a stoner. He's unambitious. He's not popular. Um, and then you have Jessica Alba who is very, very attractive. And, you know, she's, she goes to the same high school with them and we get the understanding that they've lived together from, uh, apart from each other for a long time. So maybe she's, you know, had a crush on him for a long time too, but she just seems really anxious to have sex with him, which they do like within minutes of meeting each other. Um, and that, that stuff's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think that's the more ridiculous thing in this movie than, uh, all the hand possession and murdering that goes on. It's just that, that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel silly saying that just doesn't happen when I'm talking about this movie, but whatever. So the, the scene that I was talking about that I really love is when he goes back and he, um, he's talking to, his buddies as he buries them and uh he, he uh seth green starts talking to him from underneath the ground and just the the reactions that you get from from devon sawa and and the the line readings of seth green i think are just really really funny in that scene i've always enjoyed them and then also the rest of the movie i have to say too the prosthetics it's i mean it's 1999 um the prosthetics are actually really good that the severed head that they have for Panub, you could definitely tell that it is a animatronic head. But there are some parts where they seem in him being CGI and him holding the the prosthetic head. And, you know, it's glitchy. You could see it. But for 1999 and a movie with, you know, not the biggest budget in the world that I, I think it's pretty good. I, um, I will say that about it. Um, so Anton figures that he's he's got to figure out how the hell um, to get, you know, to get past killing people. And he goes to ask a few people or he goes to ask Randy, his neighbor, actually. And, you know, he gets the idea that if he keeps his hand busy, which he never did before, then, you know, this stuff won't happen. Unfortunately, that's not the case. He ends up murdering two more cops. And then after that, he because he can't stand murdering people, he decides to chop his hand off. And then that's where the movie, you know, kind of, I mean, it's already pretty batshit crazy. 
but it kind of goes off the rails after this as well. Um, when he cuts his hand off immediately, he thinks he's 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 done it. He's okay. Nothing nothing bad's gonna happen. And then um, the hand actually um, pretty much is reveling in the fact that he cut it off and now it's free to move about by itself and you know go kill everybody and and we find out very soon that the hand is after jessica alba um so he's got to go to a halloween party at the school gymnasium to find her and stop the hand meanwhile vivica fox is met up with randy and they're after anton as well and uh the movie the movie is just like I said, there, there's a lot of funny bits in it. I really wish there was somebody else here with me because then we could just kind of play off back and forth on what, what we really liked about it. But it, like I said, if I'm just reading lines from the movie, it doesn't quite work the right way. But um, there's some genuinely cool and funny like uh, like kills that happen. Like <laughs> Anton goes in the, into the dance and he's trying to get everybody out of there. So he shows him he cut off his hand. Nobody believes him. And Offspring, he he, he broke up Offspring playing a, a song. And then uh, Dexter's just like, get out of here, kid. It's time to rock and roll. And then the hand drops down and rips off Dexter's, uh, Dexter's scalp like that. Like the visual of it's really cool. Everybody starts panicking, trampling over each other. And then um, I can't remember the character's name, but... Tina. Tina? Yeah, Tina. Um, her and Jessica Alba are in the vent and, you know, they have to they have to stop a fan and climb down a rope and the hand, you know, lassos the rope around Tina's neck, throws her down, and then the fan starts and it just pulls her up and rips her into a bunch of different pieces. And uh, we get the line, I'm not going through that much, Tina. It's, it's, it, there's just genuinely cool kills in this and just... A lot of good laughs. It's a it's a fun horror comedy, um, to say the least. Uh, the ending is really really funny. I, 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 you know the the uh, the hand goes through metamorphosis throughout the movie. You know first it's attached to Anton, then it's attached, then it's detached by itself. It becomes all black and gooey uh, when he throws it in the microwave, and then when it gets to the school. It uses the fucking mechanical pencil sharpeners to sharpen itself, and then finally, it, it's embody it's embodying this puppet that uh, Anton has to fight, and it's just really, really funny that you know it's a puppet. It's gonna look the same all the time. It looks like a fucking like pinhead idiot puppet guy. And then later on, when we see it after it's captured, Jessica Alba, it's got an angry face and and jagged teeth, and just. That concept alone is just so stupid. I wish I was a teenager in the 90s and stoned as hell to go watch this movie because I think I would have been laughing my ass off. Um, and then Marijuana uh, saves the day at the end. We get the Anton taking Anton time, blowing into the puppet, and its eyes roll black and all all bloodshot and... It's just it's such a silly movie, and apparently that that scene too. I remember I had the DVD and I would watch the special features of all the DVDs I had back in the day, but um, that or the original ending, which I remember was in the trailer, um, took place in in uh, the swimming pool area. There's a giant pool and a bunch of all hands were coming out of the walls, and then the pool opened up into like a gateway to hell. 
and Jessica Alba was on the on the diving board, I believe. Um, and I can't remember why they scrapped it, but they just thought that it didn't fit the rest. I think it. I think that's what it was. They they felt that it didn't really fit the rest of the vibe of the movie. Um, the marijuana saves the day thing wasn't in there, and I think they used that. Which the 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 on the DVD the the deleted scene or the alternate ending. Um, it it doesn't have a lot of music and it doesn't have a lot of sound effects or anything, but I could kind of feel that the ending they went with was better used because you know the stoner comedy aspect of it and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's 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 a ridiculous movie. It's a ridiculous premise. But for a horror movie, I think is a is a great fucking premise. Um, obviously, Anton. Uh, has a chance to go to heaven, but he stays to um, kick it with Jessica Alba and Penub and Mick become their guardian angels, and everybody kind of lives happily ever after at the end of this movie, which is um, not always the case in in horror movies or horror comedies in general. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the whole movie. Like I said, I wish I could have went more into depth of the jokes that I like and the other stuff in there, but. Um, yeah, this movie's really, really fun. I really, really like it. And since I'm by myself, um, I will just answer the hard question like we always answer at the end of the podcast. I'm a producer and I get my right, I get my hands on the rights to this movie. Am I going to make a prequel, sequel, or remake? Well, I'm not going to make a remake of this movie. Um, I don't think it needs to be remade. I think this one stands alone, and it's and it's good enough to be its own thing. Um, however, you really could do a prequel or a sequel for this movie, and I don't think it matters which one you do, considering when we meet Vivica A. Fox, she's in a completely different town, I believe Boulder, Colorado or something, and she is searching for the hand... Um, somebody with the possessed hand she goes into the prison and she sees a guy and his hand is all rotted and and like all gangly and stuff so basically you could just have the hand possess people all around the world you could shell out like 10 of these movies like most freaking horror movies do and it's just a bummer that this movie didn't perform as well because then we probably would have got them we we don't need the same cast you don't need you know every time you could you can pay a, a younger unknown cast coming up and these other people that went on to do other things, mostly just Seth Green and Jessica Alba. But um, yeah, I, I think a sequel to this movie with the same premise, uh, maybe not stoner comedy, maybe, yeah, I don't know. But you could just go anywhere with this movie and just make it as ridiculous as you want. There's dead friends in it and just whatever the hell you wanted to make this movie into. And I think it would work. Obviously, you would have to have the right performers, and you would have to have a good writer. I think this movie has some really funny bits written into it, and I also think um, Devin Sawa and Seth Green definitely carry the comedy aspect of this movie very well. But uh, yeah, other than that, that's the podcast, guys. Sorry, uh, we didn't have... This one didn't come out last week, but I figured when we couldn't really get anybody on the podcast, I would just save this one for Halloween. So, like I said, that's the podcast. Happy Halloween, and uh, I can't wait uh, until next year. Jason will be back in a couple weeks, and until then, I'm going to have some guests hopefully fill in for him as the month goes on. Other than that, we'll see you at the movies next week, guys.